From Advisory Board, we're bringing you a radio advisory. My name is Rachel Woods. You can call me Ray. We've talked on the podcast before about the financial impact facing hospitals and medical groups. And that impact is largely tied to the steep decline in volumes organizations saw across the last few months. But as volumes start to come back, many are asking what volumes are going to look like for the rest of the year. Well, instead of peering into my crystal ball, I have brought something that's probably a little bit better. My colleague, Anna Yakovenko, who spends a lot of time thinking about and forecasting the 2020 outlook. Hey, Anna. Hey, Ray. How are you doing today? You know, it's at least going to be a long weekend, a long weekend inside. Where are you dialing into the podcast from? From home, probably like everybody else. (laughs) And where's home? Bethesda, Maryland. Well, I am dialing in from a new location today. I am in a closet in my parents' house in Columbus, Ohio, with a bit of a bizarre DIY podcast setup, but hopefully the sound is coming through all right. We have to do what we have to do. Well, let's go ahead and dive in. First, I want to give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit more about what you do at Advisory Board. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I've been with the advisory board over eight years. I've spent the majority of that time working with strategic planners to think about forecasting and growth opportunities and the different data sources that we can use to provide more details to our members on where they are and where they're going. Before we get to talking about the future, let's talk about the past get us up to speed a little bit. What have we actually seen happen to volumes since the COVID crisis started and how is that impacting healthcare systems today? Sure. So the short story is that we saw volumes start sliding about the middle of March when COVID took hold before they really plummeted in April. And then from there, they started slowly rising again in May. And we've seen a pretty sharp upswing in June, continuing on kind of the path of recovery. We'll see how that goes, given what's happening in some of the states. And of course, we didn't see volumes distributed universally, especially with this drop and comeback. Are there any specific takeaways from what types of volumes we saw change that you'd like to share with the audience? Surgeries especially were hit hard because most elective surgeries were being delayed. So in April, we saw reports of anywhere from 55 to 70% declines Mm, as compared to the same time period last year. And as we know, that's where a lot of organizations make money. So it, it hit hospitals pretty hard. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think a lot of leaders that we work with are feeling a little bit of the good news, right, with volumes starting to come back, as you said. Do we think all of the demand that we had is, is going to come back? That depends on who you talk to. For various reasons, myself and many of my colleagues don't think that at a national level, volumes will get back to pre COVID levels. Now, for some orgs, they certainly will, but in aggregate, We're just not sure that we're going to get there. You know, what is interesting is that a lot of planners that we talked to and actually surveyed 
are pretty bullish and they are expecting things to get to pre-COVID volumes. Hmm. But you said that you and, and our colleagues at Advisory Board maybe disagree. So are the planners right? Do we expect volumes to return to normal? Well, we're more skeptical than others. Um, I think that's a hazard of the of the job uh, being researchers. <laughs> that's right. But uh, at a national level, again, important context, right? At a national level, we don't think we'll get there for three major reasons. There's a host of potentially smaller impacts, but but the big things are economic instability. And this is likely to be the biggest long-term factor that we'll have to contend with. Second, consumer anxiety. And third is throughput and efficiency of providers. Well, let's talk about each of those. And let's start with the economy. I'm guessing that this is an area where we can actually do a lot more prediction based on what we've seen in the past. What are you thinking? Yeah, we're, we're actually doing more in-depth analysis here with some historic data on what happened after the 2008 recession. So stay tuned for that. But in general, with the unemployment rate now over, I think it's 11% in June, it actually went down, which is great, but it's still 11%. We expect significant losses of employer-sponsored insurance. And in addition to insurance losses, we know that consumers tend to defer care for some services when they have less disposable income. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're really going to see the impact. Especially, I'm guessing, with those elective procedures that maybe somebody was willing to get when they had insurance through their employer and now is saying, I'm going to delay or maybe not get that surgery at all because I've lost my insurance. Exactly. And we've put that into our forecasting methodology, looking specifically at what is most elective versus not and ratcheting down our forecasts for growth in those areas, Hmm. because that's where we know we'll see the decline. But you mentioned that there were three things, and another one of them was just patient behavior. I guess that comes a little bit into patient behavior as it relates to their own economic situation. But what else are you seeing in that scenario? Patients are still avoiding healthcare settings. It has gotten better, but They are worried about going to a clinic or hospital and being exposed to COVID. Importantly, they're avoiding care for both minor and major services. Mm -hmm. Now, we did a pulse survey, or our colleagues at Optum did. They saw that 18% of consumers said that they are still likely to avoid the ED if they have a heart attack or appendicitis. Hmm. You know, and that's actually virtually unchanged from six weeks ago. And the ED numbers are bearing that out. Hmm. And I think we actually have an episode to go deeper onto this topic that's going to be launching later this week. So stay tuned for more on consumer behavior and how that's impacting their willingness to come back to the health system. But Anna, I'm, I'm thinking about your three things. And the first two, the economy and patient behavior, those are all sort of external factors. But your third one isn't, and that's the overall ability to just be productive in the hospital or in a physician practice. What are we seeing there? 
on the whole, with all the added safety precautions organizations have put into place, we just expect room turnover times and overall patient throughput to be a bit more reduced than it was pre-COVID. And a few organizations that I've talked to are still facing some shortages on the supply side, right? So we have talked to organizations had to furlough staff and they can't open up at 100%. While that's certainly necessary for some of them for short-term financial sustainability, it also could prolong that recovery period and suppress volumes. We'll be right back with more radio advisory after this short break. Thanks for listening to Radio Advisory. It's a tough time to be a leader in healthcare right now. There was plenty of change and disruption to grapple with even before COVID-19 came along. At the end of every episode, Ray says, we're here to help. And we are. Let us know how we can help you by taking our two-minute survey at advisory.com slash pod survey. Tell us what you want to hear about, what you're struggling with, or what you think about the podcast. Talk to us at advisory.com slash pod survey. So you said, Anna, that you don't expect volumes to come back to pre-COVID levels, at least not this year. What are you expecting? What are the forecasts showing you? Well, to be honest, that changes every day given what's happening, but we've built out two potential scenarios to model out what we think could happen. The first scenario is that at a national level, we'll see an overall plateau of cases. This scenario was called a gradual decline of cases about a week ago. It's been upgraded to plateau. (laughs) When we were actually thinking that there would be a gradual decline before we, we saw cases going up. Yep. Yep, exactly. And the second is the potential of a second wave. Hmm. So let's go through each of these scenarios in a little bit more detail. Let's start with what was a gradual decline and now we're calling the plateau. What's the impact you're seeing there? Well, pre-predict is that we'll continue to see a gradual increase in volumes throughout the year, getting close to pre-COVID volumes. We talked about why we don't think we're going to get all the way there, but we'll continue uh, kind of the slow growth up. I think just a couple things to call out. We do think outpatient visits will climb at a higher trajectory Hmm. for one, because they fell the most. And for another, those who delayed care will begin to return. And we're actually seeing that borne out in some data now. And outpatient surgeries will continue to see an increase, probably eclipsing inpatient surgeries, especially those affected by COVID-19 pushing uh, inpatient surgeries out to outpatient. Got it. And that makes sense, right? Because like you said, outpatient surgery is where some of more of the electives might come back. And it also might just be a natural push from inpatient to outpatient. Exactly. But there's a big but here. (laughs) That recovery trajectory looks very different if the spikes we're seeing regionally break out across more states at the same levels. I think we should actually pause and have a conversation on that topic because we are seeing more states increase in their volumes of, of, of COVID. So let's talk a little bit more about that. What are you hearing? 
I just looked at the CDC data that was actually updated July 1st, and the number of patients in an inpatient care location with COVID-19 has really hit all-time high in a number of states. And that's including two of our nation's largest, right? Texas and California. Mm -hmm. And the rise in those states has been so significant that you can see that nationwide hospitalization numbers, that curve is ticking up after over two months of steady declines. So does that mean that there's potentially a third scenario that we would look at that's not just a second wave, not even a plateau, but an actual just national rise in cases? Yeah, I mean, in that case, you can potentially think about it as a second wave just coming earlier. Hmm. So when we initially looked at when we thought the second wave would come, we thought it was going to be mid-fall, around the same time that you see the flu tick up. And if we you know, keep seeing these numbers, we could see that second scenario, that second wave of COVID hit earlier. And if that's the case, which it's increasingly looking like it is, what's the impact going to be on volumes? Well, we predict still a gradual recovery, but then we think we'll see a dip in volumes. Now, not remotely the level of a dip that we saw in March and April, Hmm. um, but a dip nonetheless. I mean, if you've read about it, we've already seen in Texas, Governor Abbott reinstating a ban on elective surgeries in eight counties. So if we see that happening more, if we see consumer fear come back, we could see a dip here. Anna, so far, I'm cognizant of the fact that we've been talking about the national view, right? You've even caveated that from the outset. I'm curious, is there some practical advice you could offer to leaders in individual markets who are trying to look at the 2020 outlook for their own systems? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think as you consider your predictions, I would tell everybody to really take the time to understand how the drivers of volume are faring in their market. You can do that in a few ways. First, I think you want to be ahead of the actual case count, right? So remember that what we do today often doesn't show up in hospitals for several weeks. So Um, You know, paying close attention to social distancing that's occurring in Mm -hmm. the market. You know, there have been several tools that have been released to the public to monitor that. Second, and this is actually a really smart thing one organization that I've talked to told me they do, they track the calls or visits that they're getting that display key COVID symptoms. That way, if they see an uptick in those calls, they know in a week or so they're going to start seeing an increase in COVID cases coming in Hmm. and being tested positive for. Other things to consider is how your consumers are feeling about getting care, you know, pulse surveys of your market, conversations with your physicians, that should give you a glimpse of this and how it's changing. And finally, I think I would take some time to model out several scenarios of unemployment and insurance loss specifically in your market to understand what kind of impact that could have, because that can be very different from market to market as well. And as there are different scenarios coming out of different markets, there are going to be different strategies that are implemented by executive teams. Are there any kind of no-regret solutions that leaders should be doing regardless of how the scenario plays out at their home system? 
Yeah, I think so. I think there's a couple of priorities that uh, systems can take that uh, are no regrets. One is to really expand capacity at the top of the funnel, actually providing extra space for services like cancer screenings, medical specialist visits, opening up extended hours for those top of funnel visits, because that's what's going to get you to surgeries and more downstream services. The second is really communicating with your consumers, addressing the fear factor, reassuring the community, communicating the risks of care avoidance so that patients feel more comfortable coming in. And then I think over-communicating with your referring physicians is also uh, uh, something that you should be doing. You know, provide your physicians with talking points to reassure patients that procedures are safe. They are the ones that are overall going to have probably the biggest impact on how your consumers feel. Well, Anna, I want to thank you so much for spending time talking to us about all the work you've been doing to forecast scenarios. Final question for you, when it comes to looking at volumes across the rest of the year, what's the one piece of advice you'd tell executives to focus on right now? Things are going to continue to change at a rapid pace. And for now, I do think that folks should be moving to weekly or bi-weekly meetings with their executive teams to really walk through what the next, you know, three to four to 18 months is going to look like. Model out multiple scenarios, make some bets on what's most likely going to happen, come up with some strategies to mitigate the specific losses you may see, and, you know, tweak some of your longer-term plans as things unfold. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Anna. Thank you, Ray. It was great to be here. With everything that's gone on in the last three or four months, it can feel impossible to predict the future. But that's actually why modeling and forecasting is even more important. Like Anna said, this has to go from something that happened once a year to something that's happening every week or every other week. We want to help you understand how the impact of the coronavirus is going to affect volumes in your market. So we've built a forecaster to help you see that. We've linked it in the show notes. Because as always, we're here to help. In a very weird reversal from my childhood, I had to to tell my parents to be extremely quiet while we recorded this while I was working. <laughs>